Welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. The date is January 23rd, 2017. I'm Stephen Seifert. I'm here with Dan Landrum and Aaron O'Rourke. Good morning, y'all. Hello. Good morning. What's happening? We, well, well, I'm recovering from a long night of uh, making Indian food for the first time. <laughs> you made it all <laughs> night? <laughs> Uh, it took a very long time, much longer than I was anticipating. Wow. But it was exciting. Yeah. What did, what did you learn? Um, I learned how to make uh, the crumbled Indian cheese, the paneer, mm. using uh, whole milk oh, and yeah, I lime. Oh, yeah, I that. Do you yeah. have to put that under your bed for like six weeks and churn it every three hours or something? No, you... Uh, it's like an hour, it, right? Or what? It, it, I think it, it was an hour and 50 minutes total. Okay. So almost two hours. And, and did it taste like goat cheese or what? No, I mean it's it's kind of tasteless at first, okay. but then then you fry it, and that's just getting you started. Um, before you make the actual the dishes, I have a feeling this is going to end up being uh, a story that's one of those where, you know, the exp- it's about the experience. Yeah. You mean you didn't like the taste that much? Oh, no. Actually, I really did. Okay. But yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time. It is. We live in a small town. You can go to the store and back like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> or more. Yeah. It makes me appreciate the frozen Indian meals that much more. Really? That I found. Yeah. Really? For $4. Yeah. I've been it, buying some of those in the hippie food section at the grocery store, but I didn't like them that much. what kind are you getting there's some really bad ones out there well, one of them but is I called found some... something like aunt betty's or something like that or whatever i'm aunt betty's indian food does not <laughs> sound like a good start <laughs> wow but you literally didn't go to sleep last night well no i i did eventually sleep but that's that's the only exciting news i really have to share and i've been working on some new music stuff. Well, last night we had a, a really great rehearsal with uh, Stephen Humphreys. That's cool. Um, it was fun. You know, yeah. He's great. He is great. Yeah. I was a little intimidated. Yeah? Well, I mean, he's teaching. Maybe not. I mean, I'm not concerned with my chops. I want them to be better, but I'm not concerned that I don't have them. <laughs> Or that there's something Stephen can do that I can't do. It's not that. Mm-hmm. But being in the music, he's serving as a band director. And so right. So last night when uh, Aaron and uh, Stephen were trying to learn a Nickel Creek piece, or no, maybe it was even on, on another one, and we realized, okay, we need to chart this out. Mm-hmm. I felt very comfortable, like, band teacher dudes charting this out. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're in this every day. Yeah, or maybe you don't do church for students, but yeah, a, a little jealous, Stephen, if you're listening. Of <laughs> what I like though, is when you bring up something esoteric a little bit, music, you know, like I'll be like, "Do you know what I'm talking about?" And he's always like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly." <laughs> he does. Uh, that was if we can dwell on this for just a minute. Sure, I was high as a kite. Just happy. Metaphorically. Metaphorically speaking. Right, yeah. yeah. After we finished rehearsing. Yeah. Because it was fun. 
it, uh, what was so good about that? Well, um, what makes, I guess, yeah. So the, the general question of general interest may, the answer would be about what makes for a, a really positive, good rehearsal like that. Um, well, I think, I think, a few things for me anyway and one it was productive i felt from start to finish in that we were we were working the whole time right. and it felt like we actually made progress second i felt like it was a challenge but it was a it was a challenge that was doable um and i guess another part of it maybe the last part for me um, without thinking too deeply is it's it's kind of like running a marathon and that running by yourself is uh is one thing but when you're in a when you're in a group of other people there's a different kind of momentum there yeah that's nice and that's how i felt collaborating last night yeah i think there was another thing taking place too and i'm trying to figure out what the right words are for it it was a uh we were all very pacifistic pacifistic am i saying that correctly about do you want to do this if you don't want to do this that's fine uh it's completely up to you and open but we all had ideas and kind of collectively went with them or dropped them and there were a couple of times where i remember one in particular where we tried something we tried another thing we tried another thing and then we finally went, eh, <clears throat> we don't have it yet. <laughs> yeah. So no one had to dig in and go, no, 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 we just haven't tried this hard enough yet. It was really quickly, everyone was able to, let's give this a try and be willing to give it up just as quickly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that seems like a, a good recipe. Mm -hmm. But I think someone watching... Uh, who isn't familiar with the process and also far so forgive me because this is going to be touchy feely but there's a lot of respect in the room yeah uh, where and, and maybe it takes a long time to earn that it, but if if steven has something he wants to say or if you have something you want to say i want to hear it yeah you got to give them some space yeah yeah and then also knowing that if Steven says something and we try it and it just doesn't work for me, uh, even if it's working for him and I say, ah, I don't know, just he's as willing as I am to just give it up quickly mm -hmm. because you're recognizing that you're trying to create something as a group, not something as an individual. Yeah. I've got my buddy Brady where we do uh, experimental <laughs> strange music together. He plays a guitar in a very unconventional way and he'll get it going and it, it just reminds me of playing with hammer dulcimer a little bit he'll get a a low bass going he's got some kind of ostinato thing happening he's got some melody happening and then he's adding in all kinds of stuff you know and um i i, I end up doing the same thing sometimes and i think when we sound best together is where i don't know most of the time we start to open up uh, places in what we're doing to allow the other person to poke through, you know? And um, that whole thing about trying to do that and seeing how it's going and feeling it out and listen to it later, it's, 
I think the more you do it, you start to establish a kind of a cohesive way of speaking together. Right. That's pretty cool. And um, if you don't have a trust in each other, um, it's real hard to get there. So a bit of a reality check, though. (laughs) At one time last night, I remember saying, uh, this sounds really good, really good. But having done it enough, I also realized if we listen to a recording of what we're doing right now, oh yeah, <laughs> we'd think, wow, this isn't nearly as good as I thought it was an hour ago. Yeah. You uh, notice like when you listen to old, I don't know, like I would listen to some old Eagles or some old uh, Hall and & Oates. And, um, or Alice Cooper. Well, I haven't listened to old Alice Cooper. He's not nearly as good as I thought he was. But you know, <laughs> when I was 18 and I don't know what I want. <laughs> but I think, you know, sometimes those bands got tighter and better. But also I think they got more people involved and more money involved and they they had the time to be able to just make things tighter and But sometimes when I think of that I give myself a pass. You know, if what you're doing isn't exactly what you want to do, you're going to have a little faith in what it's going to turn into, you know, whether it's a single song or a a duet or whatever. Well, because we're playing a bunch of songs, what we're rehearsing for, by the way, uh, Aaron is going to play a concert that originally Stephen and I booked as a community concert, and we're thrilled to have Aaron doing it. It makes it much more fun. Uh, We're going to play quite a few songs off the Landrum Humphreys CD that we did almost 10 years ago. and. I think that's a really good CD. That's the best. How, however, <laughs> it's causing both of us to listen back to it again, and we're going, "Why? Yeah, I don't want to you... hear your opinion of it. It's too good." <laughs> well, last no, there's... thing I want you to do is ruin this album you made ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you though, it's the same thing that you're talking about. In listening back to it, it's not as good as I thought it was. I think it's good. I, I like it when it surprises me. It's pretty good. And it pops up in a playlist. Mm-hmm. But there's some choices that we made here and there. There's, and it's funny that Stephen has come up with some of the same things when he listens. Like there's this one place where we had this really cool groove going on for a long time, and it ends with an with this A7. Oh, yeah. We talked about it last night. We're like, no, that was just, yeah, it fits musically, but it's not, it's silly, I guess. Maybe the the person listening to this who doesn't play or maybe even does play isn't noticing this, but it was a bad choice. No, well, I don't think it was, that. Uh, it was maybe just a, a little predictable yeah. in that, in that it may have been an opportunity to do something cool that yeah maybe caught your own ear by surprise or yeah yeah this and we missed terrible. it no it's not <laughs> no it's like finding out your parents didn't want you when you were conceived or something mm-hmm. we were disappointed that we got pregnant it's not like that at all <laughs> i mean <clears throat> it's, it's not like that but i feel like i don't want to hear it i don't i guess i know what you're saying but that thing's pristine to me but maybe i'm an idiot you know what there's yeah. some there's some safety in being an idiot, at least emotionally. <laughs> I, I watched a documentary about that exactly. Really? Is it Idiocracy? Yeah. What? Uh, uh, it, it was a stupidity documentary. Oh, You're serious. I, I'm being dead serious, yeah. It was, yeah, this could be 
Was that, I that, in it? No, that's a, <laughs> okay. that's a podcast in oh, itself. Okay. It takes a lot of guts <laughs> to do a documentary on stupidity because you're basically putting it out there like you are a specialist in identifying stupidity and not being stupid. Well, it, it was really interesting how this documentary was done, actually, in yeah. that um, it it kind of it, it felt a little bit like the world was ending. <laughs> but uh, the documentary ended by kind of making the case for stupidity and that it's the secret to happiness. It was very it was a really depressing oh, documentary yeah. to watch. I think I know I know some of the sociological reasons or I've read some stuff about that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. It, yeah. Babies don't know much. I think and babies... They cry are, a lot, too. This is the thing. Yeah. yeah, kids know stuff, okay? Kids can be sensitive, and they can notice more than you think, and they can provide some insight to you. But for the most part, <laughs> I think the younger you are, the stupider you are. And I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I think that if right when you pop out of the womb, you're not, you're not a prodigy at anything, it seems... I'm mad. You are. I'm mad. You are. <laughs> no, you are. What? When you pop out of the womb, I mean, it, it, it might take a day or two for your brain to I settle down. I popped right the, out, baby. From the trauma. <laughs> but what you are is the perfect scientist mm, at that no, point. You, because you, you are absolutely <laughs> testing everything around you, and you're testing it again. Yeah, but you're not and, testing it according to the scientific method. You're, you are developing the scientific method. And at the same time, you're demanding that you get things your way. That's, yeah. That's not how a rehearsal goes well. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, there were a lot of tears last night. And... What? Y'all were crying? Are you back no. on Indian? Or... No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Hey, I got, a, I got a new dulcimer temporarily. Yeah. Um, What's this one? Temporarily. It's um, a McSpadden chromatic. And um, they changed religions? No, this is this has nothing to do with Kodak. Listen, this thing is <laughs> got a higher action, just a little bit higher than what some people would like. I love it. It's got the string gauge I like. Uh, what I noticed, though, Aaron, was I had a beady chromatic that uh, one of my students had with him. So we were comparing the BD chromatic to the McSpadden full-size chromatic just to think about string length and fingering and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last time I played a long chromatic was many, many years ago. Yeah. It is way different than the short scale. Big time. Like... If, if I'm playing a diatonic and it's a long scale length, I, there's just a couple chords I finger different, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Or a couple chords I don't use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, I benefit from the longer string length for a number of reasons. But for the chromatic, man, woo, that was yeah. a serious stretch. Um, I find that after two days, three days, I get used to it a lot more than I expected, but then I started measuring things, and that Beatty, the David Beatty, like that you have, that's a short scale length. I never realized it because I don't pay attention to like the numbers, but yeah, it's a it's a twenty five, twenty five inch string length. And what's the McSpadden twenty nine <clears throat> something? 
I thought it was a 28 and a half. Yeah, probably. Um, I also compared the tone. It was, this thing was a walnut uh, with a redwood top. Mm-hmm. And both sounds are so useful. Like, I'd hate to, so I texted yeah. David Beatty and I was like, please, please, you know, <laughs> I got to have one of those again somehow. Yeah. But um, I, I hadn't played chromatic hardly at all in the last three years. It was like, I don't know why. It was so weird. So I know a little bit about how, f- actually, I think from talking about this quite a bit, I'm, I'm more familiar with how, with the fingering choices that you make on a diatonic instrument, does that change on a chromatic? And if so, how? Well, the funny thing is, is <clears throat> so my first two dulcimers, uh, my first one was a regular diatonic. My second one a year after that. So when I was 16, I got the regular one. When I was 17, I got the one with the one and a half, eight and a half. Uh, about a year after that, I guess uh, 18, 18 and a half, maybe, I got a chromatic. And that's all I had for a few years. Um, from roughly 91 to... 93 and a half or something. I don't know. But I think that I developed most of my fingering theories on a chromatic. So when I play a diatonic, a lot of what I'm fingering is, is, uh, is chromatic fingering. So for instance, if I play the first four notes of a scale, uh, starting on the bass string at G, and this is not going to be the right pitches, but G, A, B, C, pinky, ring, middle, index. So I think of my pinky as the tonic. My ring finger takes care of the two or the flat two. The middle finger takes care of three or minor third. Index fingers four or sharp four. So I think that what I've done after meeting you is I keep thinking, you know, there's this other thing I can always resort to. Which is uh, kind of what you do, and I guess you're thinking more diatonically sometimes. I don't know. Not really. Yeah. What do you um, call it? Like, what do you? What's the deal? Well, I mean, you're more relaxed than me. I think. Like, I'm I'm sitting here spread out when I know the music's going to get crazy, but you'll yeah. have kind of a relaxed hands when I maybe I'll spread out. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to prioritize staying relaxed and being dependent on making more shifts and that's the the trade-off if you're going to keep your yeah if you're going to keep your left hand relaxed you're going to cover less space and so you're going to have to shift more frequently than if you just had your hand spread out for me that i prioritize playing relaxed um but uh, which i do too i would say but in a different way and i want to point out that i only get in that spread out mode when this little message hits my brain that says uh, I am going to do some crazy stuff here in just a second. And that's when I spread the hand out and I get into those positions. But okay, if I know it's not going to be that kind of really high intensity, super, you know, maybe tricky stuff, I'm mm-hmm. definitely using a three finger or one finger approach a lot of the time. 
it's really it's interesting knowing that you that you've come up with your system of fingering on chromatic because what you're doing is basically a mandolin or a violin approach it sounds like where one right. finger Not one guitar. finger covers yeah two half steps uh can bounce back and forth between two half steps depending on the scale or what key you're playing in um yeah could you just say both of those like Guitar fingering versus mandolin fingering. I know you just said it, but so these are so these are not universal by any means. But what's very common amongst mandolin players or fiddle players is that one finger can cover two notes basically on one string. Although you probably only need one of them, right? Yeah, and depending on what you're playing, it might bounce back and forth between those two. So on one string, you can cover up to what would be the equivalent of, on a chromatic instrument, the first seven frets. But that's also on a much shorter string length. On guitar, it's it's a lot more common to just use one finger per half step or per fret, and that's your position. So, in, See, a, in other words, yeah. first er, index finger, first fret, middle finger, second fret, ring finger, third, pinky, fourth. So you got four or fingers sh- covering four frets, but you may only need right. two of those fingers. Exactly. Now, on Shift guitar, more. yeah. Now, on guitar, that's a string length that's even shorter than what you're what you're playing on if you're playing the McSpadden, um, the that's twenty-eight right. and a half. And so, um, it to me having the uh, that fingering approach reminiscent of guitar makes a lot of sense on a on a string length that's in the ballpark of 25 or higher because guitars are generally in that 25 inch string length ballpark. Some are a little longer, some a little shorter. Um, If you're doing that mandolin or fiddle style uh, fingering approach, which you do really effectively to me, that feels crazy. (laughs) Um, That's a lot of territory to cover. Well, there's two things I've got. I have longer fingers, maybe, than you. We ought to check that, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, another, th- another thing. <laughs> that's funny. Another thing it's, is... It's tough to not get I, political. <laughs> because nobody had given that... Because nobody had really... Steve's a, got his hands tucked under his arms right now. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so nobody's looking at him judgmentally. <laughs> because no one had explored that four-finger... Mandolin style technique deeply on the dulcimer, mm-hmm. even though it was awkward to me. I thought, well, what's the limit? What's possible? Since mm-hmm. there was no book on it, since nobody was talking about it in the forum at the time, I thought, I'm gonna have to check this out. So I withheld judgment to see how far can you push the hand, you know. So right. n- now, what I like is I can look at what you're doing and I can. Th- I learned some scales on the guitar, and I know what you're talking about. So now I can explore that kind of method on the dulcimer. But I think I'm in a good position to use one when it's the best and the other when it's the best, you know? Sure. Um, And when I get that long McSpadden, man, that's when I realize where the you're you're kind of pushing the limits a little bit. but when I get up past what would be the diatonic fifth fret, you know, I find that uh, all this stuff, the, all the tolerances get easier to deal with. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, um, and that's usually where I where I change um, from using the system of fingering that I use in the lower octave around if I touch around the seventh fret or higher. Um, I move towards the system that you use a little bit more in that like one finger per fret. Do you guys have any any clue, any wisdom as to where the uh, fretboard lengths came from, or you know, on the on the Appalachian dulcimer? Phone? It was the King Call James like version, actually, from the yeah. Latin Vulgate. Really, is <clears throat> that's that's a hammered dulcimer? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the original dulcimer. <laughs> the hammered dulcimer was not the original dulcimer. I'm not oh, sure here we go. ever. Really. Can- can we go back to uh, any idea where the standardization? I was you know, really curious about what. Well, we. <laughs> I'm just wondering, and then we can go back. We can start fighting. Okay, I actually think that you'll probably agree with me. Uh, I think the hammer dulcimer is the earliest <laughs> documented. The hammer dulcimer is the earliest documented. Okay, um, but a mountain dulcimer is basically. A, a sound box basically a, not related to the hammered dulcimer with a string across it and some frets under it any yahoo at any point in history in any culture on any continent could figure out how to take a string put it over a box and put something under it so my theory is the equivalent to the mountain dulcimer the fretted zither with with very few strings it was probably Easily one of the first stringed instruments no. ever. And no. nobody, listen to how you say, no, you're so well, arrogant. And then you, you're not. No, I don't think you're arrogant. I think you're arrogant. <laughs> you're going to take this. That could have popped up at any time. It's like saying, who invented the spoon? Oh, well, we know that the Mesopotamia. No, dude, it's a spoon. It could have popped up at any time. Hammer dulcimer, not far behind. You know, let's add a bunch more strings and hit them with there a are things, Steve, there are things that we can say with degrees of confidence. Who's we, please? Me? Yeah, that well, I, you're there are, you. <laughs> I, there are things I believe with greater degrees of confidence than other things. Like, if you told me right now that uh, in your living room, you have a new blue shirt. I have no way right now of knowing if you have a new blue shirt in your living room, but I suspect it's you know, got a pink unicorn on it. Just so you know, I suspect I I think that's less likely knowing you. <laughs> so my degree of confidence in what you just said just went down. But if you told me there was a pink unicorn in your living room, I would not believe that with any degree of confidence. So good example. Thank you. So the reason I would say, but it wasn't called a dulcimer because that's two words from two different languages put together. It's a made up word to begin Forget with. Forget the word. We're talking about the thing. But it matters. But the Doesn't matter. thing. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's let's go to the thing. Is Pythagoras and from what I read, Pythagoras Pythagoras <laughs> Lots of things are attributed to Pythagoras, just like they are to Winston Churchill, but you know, obviously earlier. And there was the Pythagorean school, so there were lots of students. And it was common at the time to attribute anything that you learned as a student, as, as the plebe, to credit it to the teacher. And so there are lots of things. So we know there's 
what we would consider to be an accurate statement today, uh, they said some things we would consider to be inaccurate. They recorded some things that way. So I say all that to say the Pythagorean theorem, this theory of fifths, and that's where the Greek modal scales came from. By tuning things a certain way and separating a string in fifths and having the box get smaller and they didn't have all kinds of gauges. You had pretty much one gauge. It was called gut and you would stretch gut string out in order to get gut string to have different pitches. You made them shorter or longer and the modal scales represent even the regions, the Ionian, the Dorian, the Phrygian, the Lydian, the Mixolydian and all that, all of those scales got developed because of math, because of stretching a string out and dividing it in two. Not dividing it in this big, long scale. The scales that came later were duplicating the kinds of music that people had gotten used to hearing because of the intervals created by dividing the string in very simple instruments hit with sticks. If ethnomusicologists want to contact the show, what's the best email address? Steve at Steven Seifert. Steven at Steven Seifert.com. No, no. I'd say Dan with com- at DPNews.com. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's just one theory that I gave you that could be wrong. And my degree of confidence as to whether or not that's absolutely the way it took place, I wouldn't put a lot of weight behind it. What's yours? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm just imagining what seems most reasonable, and maybe it would be a precursor to both of our instruments, but it would be a single string <laughs> stretched across the vibrating box. Uh, probably no frets. What's okay. the box made out of? Well, how's it glued together? It's kept together by the fear and the stupidity that keeps us from <laughs> some kind of self-awareness. Listen, I could see you having a gourd, right? Or, or a hole in the ground. Or Ah, earth zither. The Chinese the, identified that one. The it, earth zither. And they put string. Yeah, I know. They put gut across the <laughs> hole and hit it with sticks. So I could see there being a one string that you hit with something. Um, but I, I would think very quickly somebody would figure out, let's, like, if you look at the Indian Vena, you know, how they've got these tall frets that are fixed with wax or whatever. I'm, I, I think it's safe to say that we don't need to be going around saying one of them is absolutely way earlier than the other. I mean, these are rudimentary kind of concepts. So... Did, is that not what you said, Steve? Yeah, except that his has like 200 strings on it. And when you look in some of those early paintings, <laughs> no, <it didn't. laughs> they have a bunch of strings on them. I bet uh, you... Mine has one with somebody moving something around to get different pitches out of it. You don't have one of those. <laughs> no. And I also don't think it's absolute. And I also think that when people get in camps, they tend to forget the concept of mutual development. Right, Because there's a pretty good chance if you and I sat here and had a conversation long enough about a particular subject, and there's another couple of folks having that same conversation somewhere else, we'd come up with the same thing because there are 
following natural laws, there are some conclusions that you can come to that you go, well, this is true, this is true, this is true, this is true. So therefore, this is probably true. Okay. Well, the, the best example of that I've heard in this argument so far is any Yahoo could have come up with this. <laughs> I don't know who it's that a is. Little, it's a little humbling playing the instrument that any Yahoo could have come <laughs> up with. But. Do you think that the founders of Yahoo at any point went, dumb name? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so to be clear, okay. I'll look up at a Yahoo later. But listen, okay. Probably overstated my case. However, I don't think this multiple string hammered device is is just obviously the original dulcimer. I just think that whole thing is goofy. You're right. We probably did. There was some parallel development in different parts of the world at different times. It might have disappeared. Here it it got bigger. Here, uh, I'm familiar with the monochord, but I think I wouldn't be so proud of this concept that I'd actually, you know. When you say that, are you speaking to you or speaking to me? Because I'm not. I would say we don't really know. I'm and not that's speaking an okay answer. to you. Okay, <laughs> and you're probably not as arrogant, and and I'm more arrogant than I, you know. How could you even, how could you go to arrogant when the very first thing I admitted was about degrees of confidence and said I would have very little, but this is my understanding. Now tell me yours. Because. That's not arrogant. That's seeking knowledge. You may have something I don't know. It it does sound a little. Part of it is me being. (laughs) Part of it is me just, um, uh, uh, I'm projecting past experiences with you onto your current self. And that's very unfair for me to do. I apologize. Huh. Come on, you're supposed to critically evaluate that statement. I'm sure that can fall apart. Just give it a little effort. No, now I'm just curious what those past experiences are. They're some sort of projection that were also past experiences and potentially they're this way and the thing that you remember last is the last time you remembered it and therefore the story, the narrative that you have continues to go in the direction that it's going until something rocks your world and you see it differently. And the narrative will change from that moment forward. I suspect you'll love me more when I'm dead and gone. (laughs) It'll be easier. (laughs) No, I... um, So if you love somebody... You really love somebody... You shouldn't make fun of their name or be critical of their name. Well, I, really? I, I don't. All right, here's the deal. I love the original, you know, Dulcimer Players Club, the ODPC. Is that what they're called? Right. I love those people. Um. And for those new to this podcast, the controversy, the seething controversy <laughs> is whether or not it stands for the original Dulcimer Players Club, the original Dulcimer Players Club, or the, or original, the original Dulcimer, Dulcimer Players Club. Players Club. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It is awesome. I'm glad that controversy exists. <laughs> uh, I. <clears throat> yeah. What if it was just the the DC PC, the Dulcimer 
DC club political people. correctness. Like the damn cool Dulcimer Players Club. Wait a minute. DC DPC. People would think it was about a drug. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I don't... I think the monochord predated both of us, basically. You and I? And yes. you think it's closer to you. I think... I think math is where music came from. I don't. That's <laughs> terrible. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. Do you think I'm overstating that? Is that arrogant? No, because all you've stated is your opinion. You haven't tried to, dis- tried to state a fact. And uh, you're t- entitled I'm a to walking uh, Math table, is... Man. I mean, to say math is where music came from, is that what you said? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't stand by that. Okay. I think, I think what we would define <laughs> as music probably came from, if I was guessing, I would say probably the earliest instruments were identifiable, where somebody said, hey, let's make another one of these, probably were percussion. Because right. maybe somebody yeah, realized that no. you get different pitches. And I would yeah. say second no. were things you blow into. No. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to singing? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about yeah. instruments you but, make, though, that you make and make another of. When yeah. I said, are you serious, my phone was like, how can I help you, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, I think when you sing, I think the human brain somehow is dividing. I think the human brain w- worked a lot of that out. Well, yeah, I I agree, but but you specifically said instruments. No, and I thought he identifiable. said the way music started. I thought he said no. Well, you said I, we as an identifiable yeah. instrument where someone said, "Hey, let's make another one of those." Right, right. That's that, but, but before yeah. that, I think he said, "I think the way music started was math." Yeah, and then yeah, and then when I when I asked for clarification on that, he said, "I wouldn't stand by." I that. wouldn't stand by that. I would maybe if I was thinking through that as opposed to speaking extemporaneously on a podcast yeah. about stuff that we don't none of us are experts <laughs> i know why are we even none of us because it's interesting and this is how we learn what we don't know sometimes <laughs> as you talk about it i i think i would might maybe be willing to do a little research to try to make a case that scales began with math no no <laughs> <laughs> that was passionate i know listen i i want to admit in front of everybody that, so good. that i overdo it and I sometimes feel much more before I think, and I express when I should have shut up. I get it. I don't want to say we need less passion, but I think we need, I need to people be, who are passionate about moderation. Passion. You what? I have inordinate passion. It's, it's often the wrong amount at the wrong time. However, there is absolutely no way that we were like, Void of scales until we got the math figured out. During our fish sca- fish stage, we had scales. Are you talking about the band? Yes. Hmm. Why, a, why do you yeah. say that, Steve? Why do you think... So you, this is a, an, an inter- interesting conversation that none of us are qualified to have, but <laughs> <laughs> my first... You know, I knew that there were other cultures that viewed what sounds good differently than the culture that I grew up in, you know, as a kid, I knew Mm -hmm. that, but I just didn't know anything about those cultures because I grew up in my culture. And when I came to, uh, I ended up 
at the public radio station, classical music station, what we think of classical music, uh, an Indian gentleman called and said they would, I almost did a, a bad Indian accent. I'm kind of Good proud. To stay Fil- away from filter that. kicked in. Yeah. That was amazing. Let's get better. Anyway, this guy calls and he says, hey, I, I'd like to give, uh, I don't know, $4,000 to your pledge drive if you'll let us do an hour of Indian classical music. I'm like, absolutely. We're all about classical music from, you know, different genres and different cultures. Oh, my goodness. Was I not really prepared for what I had said yes to? Because I, I, I'm glad you did. That sounds like progress for culture. It was. But it it wasn't what anyone in the Western culture who isn't musically trained would consider to be classical music. Well, it's Indian classical. Yeah, ICM. It was Indi- <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it was so very different. And the microtonal scales and the rhythms and the the time that it took, maybe even the education that it took to appreciate it, wasn't easily graspable graspable by me in that hour. I can't believe and, that. That's bizarre. and apparent and apparently by lots of our audience. Uh, are you serious? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Now, the scales, the microtonal scales that they use, and that no, Steve shaking his head, no. Why? I don't know. Developed, developed culturally and are completely different from the scales that the you know the West is used to. I've I've heard ethnomusicologists argue that. Exactly. And they I've heard uh some equate it to um uh if we were to actually notate slide guitar um with those intervals that are in between the process of sliding and that there's what I've heard is that they're still based on the same 12 note system, but those microtones that they address tend to be, uh, more, I guess the equivalent of a passing tone. Well, and they're yes. No. And it's math is the common denominator between the different (laughs) ones. Okay. So what Steve, you're saying, no, this is the most arrogant I've been on any of the podcasts. It's great. So I, I want to know, um, uh, you said no to that. So what do you understand? Or what? Well, number one, I could be wrong. Well, sure. That's not arrogant. Yeah. But one thing I hear people say a lot is, hey, you know, over in India, they've got like a lot more notes than we do. And that's kind of true in a way. But what you said a minute ago, Aaron, I think is is true. Um. Well, for instance, let's take the regular major scale. You know, do, re, mi, fa, so, la. That re, that second note, mm-hmm. um, that could be made flat, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it could be made a little extra flat, you know? Or yes. it could be made just a little flat. Now, somebody might start adding up all those variations and call those a number of pitches, but... Some of the Indian scales, as far as I understand it, it's like, well, this one has a, a flat scale degree, and it may even be a little flatter than what we're used to in Western civilization, but it's still the second degree of the scale. It's just oh, emotionally, oh. you've tweaked it a little bit, and, and um, also oh. the third, the third often in a major type scale in Indian music 
is going to be a flatter third than what we're used to. But it's now you're just spouting off. You're just spouting is the major third. And so there's this emotional kind of tweaking you do by making things a little sharper or flatter. <laughs> you you I just, just love how you're holding your yes, hands. He's doing, he's doing the <laughs> little to say. the dance yeah. thing, the 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 Buddha the kind of multi, no the Hindu sort of thing. Uh, hey, dude, you're doing two things right here, and I love you. And we may not be able to have this conversation. I want to state before I say all this, social. Con- Social constructionism is a dangerous thing, but I think it's when you're. I think the scales that you're referring to in a descriptive manner were socially they're social constructs, but then you jump into this emotional thing, which presumes a social prescript like it's a prescript it's prescriptive of the way we respond emotionally like it's going to happen that way just because that's the way it's going to happen and i'm saying the indian system is a social construct the western system is a social construct over time as opposed to a what well let me finish over time trade market forces sure that all affects it that's right. And you get machines that standardize things. And over time, the social fabric changes globally. So we start to pull them together just a little bit so that the machines, the, I mean, and languages even bring all this stuff together. What are you um, telling me? Can you explain it like I'm five? Because I pretty much am. You really want me to try to do that? No. No, 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 no. I don't, don't mean it in a negative it way. Don't explain it like I'm a 43-year-old wanting you to explain it like I'm a five-year-old. Just actually I'm, pretend I'm I want to explain it like I'm explaining it to my grandson. There you go. If, if you had people who lived on this island and had never met anyone else, and one day somebody was hitting some driftwood that he found on the beach, or she found on the beach. As a matter of fact, let's say it was a she- Specifically, to make it even more of a social construct. It's too long. And words nope. are too big. And she taught, no, kids follow stories. And she <laughs> taught several of her best friends who also happened to be girls to play something similar. And those girls went around looking for other pieces of wood that were about the same size so that it sounded like the popular girls' stuff. Now you've got the beginnings of a musical culture. And then you've got someone else who grew up on another island where it was mostly bamboo. And one day someone picked up the bamboo that a, that a bee had happened to bore a couple of holes through. And in blowing through this thing, they moved their, you know, they touched these holes and changed pitches. And see what I'm saying? And this happens to be a little boy and other little boys find it and make it. And then one day all these islands come together and they have wars over why do women get to play music here? <laughs> you know, and why do men do the music here? Because social constructs happen naturally. And, none, and, and what one island would think sounds good, another island think might, that's ridiculous. Why are you blowing into a stick? Well, my, you, what do you mean? Could you explain it like I'm four? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm done. I think I explained it thoroughly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're witnessing the limit of my personal intelligence. Now, <clears throat> this is a tactic you're using right now. This is, this is making it seem as if I'm attacking you 
and that's not fair. No, I I'm didn't. Not. No, I don't think you're attacking me. What is that? What is that? What is that? That is, it's a tactic that you're using. I'm attacking right now. you. You haven't been attacking me at all. I, I don't feel attacks, and so don't respond as if you're attacking. You ask me to explain something, and I'm trying to do what you ask. So you guys have played concerts together, right? <laughs> That's great. This isn't how rehearsals should go. <laughs> I know. This is why this is one reason we can't have a rehearsal. It's probably me, you know. You just did it again. I did? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm always the one that's getting that's nervous or upset or you're like, come on, dude, let's do it. And you're smiling, and I'm the grouchy guy. You're like, this is going to be great. Come on, it's going to be great. No, I, I don't. Whatever you think I'm doing again, I don't think I am. I don't think you're doing. Any, I don't think you're doing a thing with a purpose. I think you're doing a thing that's a habit that tends to lead to a certain result. That is a result that I would like to not see happen. I'm sure. I was thinking because I think this you podcast. I don't want that result. You anymore. are one of the most creative people I know. Uh, you're uh, doing it again. <laughs> giving you compliments. Yeah, so that you can... <laughs> what? I don't know, but I think Aaron had a good point <laughs> about rehearsals. <laughs> you know when our rehearsals have gone best is when I've shut up and with an honest attempt, you know, really just try to do my best to make happen what you're excited about. Those have been the best rehearsals. You're like, I don't remember any of those. There was a couple in particular. I, yeah, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we, we have derailed. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here thinking, how could I push this car back over on the tracks? <laughs> oh, I brought it back to a collaboration. <laughs> you did. I well, did. So when you talk about Indian music... Um, <clears throat> And food. I think I know. Because that's where it started. <laughs> I know more about. See what you did? This is Aaron's fault. Can we agree on that, it Steve? Is. It I is know very more subtle. about Indian music than a lot of musicians I've met, and I know very, very little about Indian music. I think that's the deal. So I think I'm being argumentative. Man, I was so excited about talking today and being lighthearted and positive. Aww. I think we're still there. I feel that way. I'm looking Good. at Dan. You look All like right. a sweetheart right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the compliment you needed it's, today. <laughs> it's the uh, pink unicorn on my shirt. <laughs> my blue shirt. Yeah. Now, where all this started was Dulcimer, which is the original. And maybe we can agree that some of this stuff isn't known. I think and I you would know just as soon say that. Yeah. I have... Uh, Steve uh, Aaron got to meet him the other night. I have this friend who is a Pulitzer Prize winning editorial cartoonist. Oh yeah, and I think he's he's a real interesting person. But his job is to throw down. That's what his job is. Yeah, and and I, <laughs> I like I told Aaron the other day we were going to hang out with him, and I said I have to be careful because I like to debate. And I may agree with him on most things, but I think what he does for a living causes him to have to use to create 
positions that are tough to defend, you know? And where I'm going with that is there've been books written about this stuff, about, you know, where this started and where that started. I think writing a book in some ways is like that. You know, when people have to write a book about where did the, this come from and where did the, that come from that they have to throw down at some point and come to a conclusion. And we will often read that conclusion and argue with that conclusion based on other stuff. When, if we read their entire book, they probably did the same thing and they come to a conclusion and say at some point, so this is what I'm thinking, but maybe we don't allow them or they're not good at or whatever of saying that with degrees of confidence thing. Cause I just think most of the things we say we believe ought to, we ought to be able to know what our degree of confidence is. Yeah, not pretend yeah. that you, you know, are more, <clears throat> you know, not have a false confidence in yourself. Yeah, because then if you're wrong, you'll never get to know it because you'll just spend your life defending your position. I'm going to uh, call an, uh, a therapist today for the. <laughs> For just but for you and me, hey, if I do a few sessions with the therapist, would you be willing maybe on the fourth session to, for us to do like a, a group session? Oh, can we do a podcast with the therapist? That would be so great. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> <clears throat> I'll have to ask my third therapist if that's a good idea. Right? <laughs> that, I would love an analyst. Hey, out there, listeners, if one of you is even marginally qualified to do this, uh, make sure you have Skype installed on your computer. That would be fantastic. Well, we uh, Joelle and Lapidus is a is a therapist. She might be a good um, one. Well, she's a she's a lot more than that. I think she'd be perfect. Maybe I like her. Yeah, isn't she a psychiatrist? I don't think she's a psychiatrist. We need somebody who can write. I a might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just go straight to the drugs. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what did Dan earlier? Um, here's a good point. If you want to edit all that out, we can start no. right here. You mentioned something about wanting to get technical today. What were you talking about? <laughs> oh well, a couple of things. One is uh, I'm gonna. I have one specifically for you, Steve. But I'm gonna mention that last if that's okay. <laughs> so so just know this is going to come around to you in a minute uh butch ross has a uh a cd he's releasing and he's doing something cool with video uh i think he's releasing the cd march 11th and he's putting up what his project i, I didn't write it down it's, it's found found objects something like that i think yeah something like that anyway check out butch's site butchross.com he's he's putting up weird videos not weird <laughs> oh he says they're weird oh well he's wrong they're cool okay well anyway he's he's doing that uh to kind of tease his his release on march 11th so that's one thing that's cool uh duncan gibbs do you remember duncan steve when yeah. we were in the uk he's oh, yeah. welsh isn't he duncan uh, you rock dude Duncan totally rocks. He's got, uh, he, he put up something new. Just look him up, Duncan Gibbs. If you just remember Duncan and Dulcimer, search for him on YouTube. He put up this video. I think it's Chaotic Man. And Duncan, Duncan, I love you if you're listening. And please don't be offended by this. Oh, no. But if you look up 
uh, accountant in in the dictionary. They like show Duncan's picture. He just, <laughs> Did you he's say a very accountant. Accountant. He just looks like what you would think an accountant is. Somebody. He's quiet. <laughs> he's quiet and just a. He's interesting. I think he looks but, like a not an accountant. All right, huh. I don't. Now I don't hold my he belief looks cool. in that. He looks. Don't get it anyway. Duncan's just a I'm normal guy. And Dan right thinks now. you look like an, an accountant. I'm just saying that if you saw his video and you were afraid of music that was edgy, and you were and saw that he's what he's doing technically with this, uh, sitting by himself in his apparently he lives way out in the country and he does work with dulcimers. Used to be a piano oh, cool. player in rock bands and stuff. And I think so, he still does nice. progressive rock keyboard stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but he started playing mountain dulcimer and built, I guess, his own electric dulcimers. And so he puts together these videos where he overdubs stuff. I love it. And then he does funky effects to them. And there's the potential for those to not be good. But Duncan's are always so cool. You know, you watch it and you're like, Duncan, that's cheesy. Oh, my goodness, Duncan, that's amazing. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, so anyway. Check out Duncan Gibbs. But the last one I was going to mention, what technical was, I picked up a little bit of a Facebook Live thing you did the other night. Oh, where you were streaming on potential not to be good. (laughs) (laughs) You were streaming. No, I got to tell you, Steve, you look like an internet superstar on that. And I'm I'm not, I want to tell you why. What's, I didn't chime in because I chime in on your stuff all the time and sometimes. So Duncan looks like an accountant, but I look like an internet superstar. (laughs) I'm sorry. Duncan, you look like a like a unicorn with He looks like a British rocker. Okay. An aging British rocker. (laughs) No, he looks young. All right, Duncan, uh, you look like a young aging British I so British want to go back unicorn. to England, and you're making that so hard to happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, mean, I look forward to playing with Duncan again, for sure. He's a great Jeez, improviser. I look forward to meeting Duncan. Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll dig him. He's very soft-spoken. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll be quiet if you guys are trying to talk to each other. Sweet. Yeah, Aaron, you I, just need to get away with Duncan for a little bit. I think it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. he's, just, he's just awesome. He's one of the awesome. best memories of England. But anyway, uh, back to, to your thing, Steve. i got to tell you what was good about that. You were your camera placement. I don't know if you thought this all this stuff through. Your lighting was good. You were looking right into the camera. Your eyes looked amazingly pretty. Uh, I mean, you just you looked sharp. You looked better looking than you are. <laughs> 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 now, I had the potential to look quite terrible. <laughs> You're saying because of my accidental camera work, I looked fantastic. Fantastic, dude. <laughs> you hadn't thought through all that? It was a test of the the um, the, the the streaming and the, the software and stuff. Do you know about this thing he did? No, I didn't. He was streaming it. on five different sources really? at once, if I understand correctly what I watched. Well, let so me can you just, tell us about that? Let me say real quick. Part of me feels like keeping this to myself, and whenever I feel that strongly, I generally just blurt out everything because I know it's the better option. Oh. But, we're, we're, um, you know, we've got this thing where we've realized that when we stream, we can teach, we can perform, 
you know, we can interact, take questions with people. But we've got this fractured landscape of services out there. Um, so you got your Facebook Live, you've got YouTube Live, Concert Window, plus there's a bunch of other ones. Probably one of the more popular ones with people under 18 would be Twitch, um, which most people over, you know, 25, they've never even heard of it, I, I bet. Yeah, I've never heard and of And so that. I thought, you know, I want to stream to all these at once. Is that possible? Well, it turns out there's some services out there that um, let you do this. And so just very briefly, <laughs> I installed um, the equivalent of like a switcher streamer on my computer. Um, I put in a URL. I streamed to this URL and then it sends it out to however many services I want. So it doesn't eat up my bandwidth. It's pretty cool. So I get it out of here, and it automatically goes to all, you know, I guess I had four. I had Concert Window, YouTube, Facebook Live, and then uh, Twitch. And <laughs> One of these is a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And also, internally on the software, on the Mac, I was using... Audio um, hijack and sound siphon to get all this stuff to happen, and I've experimented with graphic overlays and doing switching and all that. But the the thing I learned, ladies and gentlemen, and he had contacts to make his eyes look more appealing. His concert window, <laughs> as cool as it is, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Your video is yeah. a little blurrier. Um, your audio might be out of sync. It doesn't deal well with the Safari browser and hasn't for a while for many people. Um, they take a 30% cut of, you know, the donation or whatever that somebody makes, the tip. Ouch. I like Concert Window, and I bet you they can get better, but the best service as far as audio, video, and sync, this is great, it's interesting, is Twitch. And Twitch gets most of their money from the gaming world. If you get on Twitch, you're watching uh -huh. kids play games. So you'll see the game, you'll see... A little picture in picture in the corner of you know them talking. You'll see a oh. chat. You got all this animation and stuff that's happening. But I think Twitch, the quality's killer. It's awesome. Um, but oh. I don't want to have to just do Twitch only, and I don't want to give up on Concert Window. And so you've got four different chats you have to unify, which I'm working on that. You've got multiple methods where money can move around. I'm working on that. But the one thing I learned also is Facebook Live, when it came out, you know, if you turned, if you went on your phone on Facebook Live, you went right to the top of a lot of people's feeds. You know, if they're mm -hmm. on their phone, boom, you're right there in their face. <clears throat> but Facebook's starting to do what they've done all along, which is they're trying to make sure people only see what they likely are going to want to see. Or it's, what lots of people will look at. Yeah, so I've had some of my dulcimer friends go live on Facebook, and it's not popping up for me, you know. Um, yeah. So I think we're, I think we're still as musicians. The best way dulcimer you can get hold of people is your your email mailing list, and then I think that you just need to have your hand in all these other things and, and just right now kind of do them all at the same time yeah well more podcasts you know those it's because you just kind of took a branch right there one on marketing and then the uh just how the 
different streaming services work. I'd love to talk to you more about that, but maybe that's too deep to to dive into right now. Possibly. Possibly. We don't I'm, need to. I mean, I think we just dove pretty deep, but yeah. it's just a matter of go to this website, sign up, <laughs> go here, pay, copy, paste this here. You know, I, do, I don't think we dove deep at all. I think what we did was the equivalent of walking into McDonald's and seeing the things that are on the menu. I don't go in there anymore. You know. I can't handle the choices. Yeah. You don't want to go back in that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. McDonald's, or, yeah. now they've got these, they'll have like four big flat screen TVs now. up there. And yeah. the menu, like if like take for instance, uh, Vanilla Shake. There is a place where that shows up, but it's not always there. So you got to wait oh. for each of the four sh- screens to go through their three screens. And they're all cycling at different intervals. They're flashing subliminal messages. Dude, it's designed so that there is no menu practically. That's interesting. Oh. Actually, They want old people. To just say, just give me a fish sandwich. Because <laughs> <laughs> they figured out everybody over 50 is probably overwhelmed a little bit by, like, well, what do y'all have up there? I mean, I don't know what's going on, but it's, uh-huh. it's, uh, we right, before a we leave, universe. Squirrel boy, before we leave, <laughs> that's another thing. The squirrels lately, have you noticed the tails look wimpy? <laughs> not, not on as Signal much, Mountain. Not so much. No, not ours. Huh. We have very elitist squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> they blow dry their tails. <laughs> uh, back to the tech stuff, and and kind of back to where we started talking about this rehearsal. We had a good time in our rehearsal last night because we played music. We played music by listening to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't have any extra stuff going on, no tech, no nothing to deal with. And I was I was concerned uh, because the, some of the stuff that we're playing from the Landrum Humphreys project requires delays and octave doublers and some just some stuff that we did. Now, we wrote all that music so two people could play it, but effects were allowed. That was it's even in it's written in there that that oh. was our rules for this project. Hmm. I'm concerned that the next time we get together or the time I've had, we're probably going to have two more rehearsals, that it'll all be fun until we do the tech. Yeah. I kind of don't like that. I concur. I wish you had somebody that you paid that would just say, we we got it good, Dan. We, we'll make it right. Don't worry. It'll be ready. Isn't that the truth? But you don't have that. No, and yeah. I don't foresee us ever getting to have that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember um, I played a show years ago opening up for the uh the kruger brothers um if you're not familiar with them uh jens kruger i think that's how you say his name is just absolutely phenomenal banjo player it, and freddie who's a banjo shredder right yeah. it. <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> but uh um but they're uh he, yeah anyway look him up he does he does some amazing stuff but uh the the group is, is three core members and they travel with their sound guy and talking to them backstage they they made it really clear oh yeah he's our fourth band member yes we don't do a show without him they depend and, and rely on that dude absolutely maybe we ought to try to cultivate that yeah what do you mean uh, there's somebody there's somebody that will you know want to make a little money appreciate what we're doing being somebody who's sufficiently nerdy who maybe doesn't want to play 
but wants to to do what Aaron's talking about. That would maybe so do that for give us. Them, hmm. Give them an equal cut of the fee. <laughs> yeah, this is more than just a sound guy, though. This is the tech. I mean, right. this is a person. And he who's... might end up getting the coffee and the salsa. <laughs> and the non. No. Right. <laughs> you need a salsa person. Yeah. You can't have the sound guy be the salsa guy. I'm more into chutneys. Chutneys. <laughs> All well, right. I, I, hey, come on. I was mildly frightened listening to you talk about the, uh, the, the complex, even though you didn't go into the complexities, but I mean, it was complex. You mentioned a lot of words there that aren't going to mean other than just words, things to people who don't have experience trying the things you were trying. I got to tell you, though, Steve, I'm glad you're doing this. I think it's good for us as dulcimer players. You're like our canary in the uh, in the disco, <laughs> as opposed to the coal mine. <laughs> the canary in the disco, that's it. Yeah, you're, you're the canary in the rave that uh, can find out what some of the... What's happening in other markets, like you said, in the gaming industry, <clears throat> there was a few years ago when the cost of gear for musicians, a lot of it went down, right. and a lot of it went down because of the dance scene. The what? Oh. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, cases, the cost of cases went right. down, the cost of mics went down, the cost of lights went down, the cost of electronic keyboards went down, MIDI triggers. And you think all, it was because of electronic dance music? Yeah, I think it was because of electronic dance music, because now all of a sudden there's this mass audience for this. You know, when people go into their guitar center, 90 percent, I'm making up a number, of the gear getting bought, never actually getting used anywhere. But I don't demand, know. I, it seems like guitar is the most popular thing if you look at NAM statistics. And oh, it's also, been for a long time. Yeah. I think that what one thing we saw with Amazon and, and, and Musician's Friend and all this stuff was that 35% profit margin a music store might have on some big piece of gear got whittled down through competition, you know? I feel bad right. about that. Yeah. Isn't it funny that in my mind, <laughs> just a little bit, Sweetwater seems like a local store. Well, I've I been feel, there oh. so many times, actually. I know. It sort of feels that way. Yeah. More Whereas my local store used to feel like a local store. Well, but when I'm thinking the local about, well. mad at you. And Sweetwater isn't, <laughs> you know, like Sweetwater sometimes is always there to answer your question. They're calling. I have them call me and they're like, Steve, just checking on you. Has, That's a sales you need call. Any cables? I know, is, but it's. Is Charlie, is it Charlie Davis? Is that your salesman? No, I've had different people. Right now I have yeah. a lady. She's great. I, I accidentally answer. I have two Charlie Davises in my uh, phone book. One's the drummer with Yanni who lives in Nashville and the other one's Sweetwater. <laughs> and every now and then I'll just see, oh, it's Charlie Davis. And I answer him. And he's like, hey, Dan, just checking to see how your daughter, Melissa, and your son, Jeremy, are doing. <laughs> right. But, you yeah. know, yeah. the local music store is really what we want to support. But I'm right. just telling you from experience, um, some – you only want to support your lo local music store if they're awesome. If they kind of stink, maybe you're not so interested in it. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I agree with that. But, well, I don't know. I mean, I've worked huh. for a couple local um, small music shops that carried some really high end stuff. And 
Um, and some of the some of the people involved, some of the owners were kind of curmudgeon-y, but I loved them. They were doing this for a really long time, I, and that's uh, all right. and I think I think some of the their maybe gruff kind of brash attitude. I think to some extent that could be misinterpreted really sure. easily. Well, they've been um, dealing with a lot of uh, yeah customers that maybe are pretty terrible also for many years, and that can make you a little jaded. Yeah. Well, that doesn't I, mean I want to be around that. What I saw a lot of is um, frustration towards gu- guitar manufacturers, particularly when I was working in a vintage guitar store or uh, former um, repair guys making alterations. And so someone in the shop would uh, make some comments and insult the guitar, and people get offended when you insult their instrument. <laughs> Seems especially in the vintage guitar world. Mm, yeah. Well, we don't even go there but, in Dulcimer yeah. land. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My daughter-in-law works for a, a very small, just like three or four stores outdoor wear place that sells Patagonia and all that kind of stuff. And they're all getting hammered, you know, because you can, you can get the same stuff in so many other places. And they know that many, many people coming in are coming in to try stuff on here so they can order it somewhere else. Yeah. For that 2% profit. It's happening all the time. And every time I go anywhere, I try not to do it where they see it. Cause I, but I, when my kids want to go to the bookstore, and I look up a book, and it's half price on Amazon, and it can be there, and you know tomorrow. Um, but I do, I love a local shop where they have the inventory where you can try it on. Something goes wrong, they're like, "Man, let us take care of that for you," or "We're gonna have so and so call you." You know, um, I love that <laughs> local thing, but I'm just saying if. If your local thing doesn't happen to be awesome, then I'm not going to go there just because it's local. But maybe try to yeah. make it better or yes, recognize why they're right. not awesome. I am two things I'm willing to do. I'm willing to pay more to buy something from a local shop Me so that they too, can be to local. A, to an extent. And I'm willing to pay taxes so that other people can have health care and benefits in society. I'm willing to do some of that too, to a point. That's, but I, I am. I definitely am. Like, I don't haggle at a music store. I'll buy a $200 item and I'm thinking, I bet I could save 10 bucks. I'm not haggling over 10 bucks. Let that guy have the 10 bucks, you know? Right. But mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I just, I want my local scene to be awesome. I want to support it. But I really think Sweetwater, for me personally, other than the fact that all the reviews are positive of every product on the site. Yeah, it makes you wonder a little, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Every review of every <laughs> product is like five star. Yeah. But other than that, I like when they call me and ask if I need any more cable. We have to quit, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, I would love to do a podcast where we do nothing because we're not hurting anybody for the most part, where we talk about gear that was horrible that we bought. Really? Or, or maybe just little pieces of that. Oh, things that we've gear learned. that we loved? What about that? Yeah. I don't have any too. gear I mean, that I've, I hated. I've got a jar full of experimental picks that were just the 
worst ten dollar investment each. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you could tell us why, and that would yeah. be interesting. Let's do a whole uh, episode on just picks and hammers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I couldn't see I couldn't do hammers because that's all local. I mean, that's all small guys. You're right. Aaron, Trying to make money one of off the of few that. things we can be critical of because it's outside of the community are the picks for the most part, right? Yeah. Even I the Hardums. So. I mean, they're, we don't even know who makes those things. Maybe people don't want to hear us be critical, but maybe nobody's listening an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but it's the negative generally that people tune in for. The thing, yeah. the people, I mean, I'm not talking about with us. So I, I don't mean know. That. Yeah. Well, like when I yeah, get yeah, negative, I, I think I'm running people off probably. But I don't know. I think if one of us like really mm. threw down on something and even if we were wrong, but we stuck with it because it became a character, you know, mm-hmm. then people, you're as likely to get people to tune in to hate you maybe more likely than to get you are to get people to tune in because they like you. I don't know. Now, Interesting. I don't want to do that, but I just we're we're all really careful in our small community yeah, not really to step are. on any toes. That's right. And and it's here's something else. If I one reason I'm not openly critical of a lot of things is because I know I could be wrong and I would hate for my yeah crappy opinion to lower sales on somebody, you know? Well, and your opinion's mm-hmm. not crappy to your fans. Yeah, well, it's right. A, they think more of it than I do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more than Aaron and I do. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So I would love to t- just to continue talking about this at another time about products and reviews and and, you know, just kind of roll with that maybe. I don't know. All right, so we're looking for a uh, somebody in the Chattanooga area who's technically oriented that we would give a portion of the vast amounts of money we make doing gigs. <laughs> I think I think we're probably going to find this person uh, hanging out on Twitch. On Twitch, <laughs> yeah, I think right. you're right. But yeah. I, hey, we should definitely. Right. I thought about this. It, we could definitely be broadcasting the podcast with both camera feeds and all the audio. I'm I would have been against that a couple of months ago. It might keep me together. But I feel like we've got our we're sort of getting the our technical side of this thing down. Like it's we're looking Steve right in the eyes now. Yeah. And, uh feel pretty good about the I say that having not edited this show yet but for the most part we've got our audio worked out yeah technical worked out I think if we're live I'll be more (laughs) behaved oh Oh, that's interesting I don't know that I want you more behaved though I like you like you are I've I've already gotten letters from three attorneys from our listeners (laughs) telling me to calm down oh Steve don't change no I'm making that up Oh, good. Yeah, thought so. All hey, right. Are we done or what? Yeah, very much. Hey, can we place a cork in it? Is that... Okay, what's another one? I don't want to say stick a fork in it. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet. Put um, a little birdhouse, birdhouse in, in your, your soul. soul. <laughs> We've done that before. Did we end the show like that before? Never. All right. No. All right. Bye. Good night. Namaste.